Welcome to the sermon podcast of Christian author and speaker, Troy Black. We're praying that as you listen, God will reveal his love, grace, and truth to you in a deeper way. After listening, don't forget to connect with Troy on YouTube and Facebook. May this message from Troy inspire you in your walk with Christ. So I've shared a lot on my YouTube channel about things that God has done in my life, miraculous things that I couldn't explain any other way than to say that it was God doing a miracle in my life. And over the years I've heard a lot of criticism, not not only about my content, but about um, other believers' content who believe that God still does miracles today. And and a lot of the criticism, you know, comes from the world, but but some of the criticism actually comes from um, a part of the Christian culture that believes that miracles have ceased. And so, so if you're watching this video and you're in that camp, please note that my heart is not to attack you or anything like that. It's not to bash anyone. Um, but I do want to raise some points in this video that I, that I pray that you'll, you'll watch it all the way through and that you'll consider. So two points I want to raise right now are, number one, it doesn't take, in my opinion, a lot of faith uh, to believe that miracles have ceased uh, today. But it does take a lot of faith to believe that despite you know, what the world believes about God, and despite what some Christians believe about what God can and will do nowadays, it does take a lot of faith that God is still going to do a miracle. And the second point I want to quickly raise is that uh, believers that, that think that God doesn't do miracles anymore, in, in my opinion, they have to ignore a lot of verses or attempt to explain away a lot of verses in the Bible that talk about God responding to our faith-filled prayers. Many of those verses spoken by Jesus himself. And you might be thinking, well, yeah, but there's so many Christians that believe that miracles have ceased and things like tongues have ceased and prophecy has ceased. So, so if this many people believe it, doesn't that mean it's true? But I, but I want to show you where I believe Jesus himself uh, addresses this issue, and it's in Revelation. Revelation 2, 2 through 4 says, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil men, and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not and you found them to be false, and you have perseverance, and have endured for my name's sake, and have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love." So there's so many Christian teachers nowadays uh, um, who are all the time are calling out false teachers, and, and, and one of their heart's desires is to be biblically and theologically accurate all the time. And these are not bad things at all. I mean, these are good things when they're done in the right way. But at the same time, um, some of those same people also, they don't see any power at work in their lives. You know, it's everything that they do for God. Their relationship with God is all about what they do for Him. And He never steps in and does and seems to do anything. And so in this letter to one of the seven churches in Revelation, uh, I believe Jesus is addressing believers like this, where they have this, this hunger and this thirst for the knowledge of God. And yet the, the, their relationship with God is not the same that it was at first. It's not as personal as it once was. So my hope is that I'm gonna challenge your faith right now. I'm gonna read a verse that you've probably heard, but, but here's my preface to reading it, is that you might not fully believe it. So when I'm reading it, I want you to think about it. Jesus says in Matthew 21:22, all things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. So my guess is that most people listening to my voice right now don't really fully believe this verse. 
And, and I'm not trying to attack you by saying that. My hope today is to encourage you and to build up your faith. But the reason I'm saying that is because uh, maybe, maybe either you've never believed it or maybe you believed it at first, you know, the first time you read it, or, or maybe when you were a child you believed it, um, if you were reading the Bible at that point. But then at some point when this verse didn't work for you, you had to begin justifying in your mind why it's no longer relevant for today. So I want to tell you a quick story about a time where the Holy Spirit used a verse like this to build my faith and also uh, just to reveal Himself at work in my life. So my senior year in college, I was a cheerleader. And so we would go to all these, uh, what I called grueling workouts, you know. They weren't really that bad compared to most college sports. It was probably a lot easier than, than uh, most college athletes had it. But, but we would go to uh, these early morning workouts and, and runs, and then we would go to afternoon practices, and then we would have uh, weekend practices every once in a while. Anyways, and so we had a lot of workouts, a lot of practices. Um, it was very physically intense and, and very physically demanding. Um, and so this issue that I had been having a little bit every once in a while began to, to, uh, to really uh, show up a lot. And, and the problem that I was having was my jaw was getting locked open. Um, so if I can kind of demonstrate what was happening, um, I would yawn or something like that. So, or, or I would say something to where I opened my mouth a lot and I would be like, kind of like that. And my jaw would get locked open all the way open like that. And, and I know my wife's always telling me my mouth is like huge. So yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't a pretty sight, you know, I mean, and people would be like, Oh my gosh, what's wrong. And I'm like standing there with my mouth open. I can't say anything. And there's just drool falling out of my mouth, uh, you know, and it hurt. It was very painful. And sometimes it would be like that for about 20 minutes, um, at a time until, until finally it would go, you know, snap back in place or whatever. And, and, and and, you know, every time it would start to happen, I would get so afraid, you know, this like almost like this, um, this wave of fear would come over me and I would be like so nervous and tense. And one day the Holy Spirit brought the truth of God's word to my mind while it was happening. And he, and he just reminded me, when you ask in faith, when you ask believing uh, not only in what Jesus did for you on the cross, but believing that he wants to have a real relationship with you right now and that you have the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. He said, you're going to receive. And, and I'm just, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm listening to him and my faith is getting encouraged. And so when it stopped that day and when it went away, I went into the bathroom, I looked in the mirror and I looked right at my jaw and I just said, in the name of Jesus, jaw, you don't get to open and get locked in place anymore. And uh, a year later after that, uh, when I was writing my book, My Mess, I looked back and I realized, it was probably more than a year, but I, maybe, I don't know. Anyways, I looked back and I realized that was the very last time that it had gotten locked open. So maybe you're asking the question, well, if, if that verse, Matthew 22:21, 21, is still relevant for today, then why hasn't it worked for me? You know, why, why did it work for you? I mean, I think a lot of people watching, you know, YouTube videos or, or listening to sermons online or, or going to even to church and listening to their pastor preach or whatever, they hear these stories of faith and then they start to doubt them in their mind because they're, they're thinking, well, either it doesn't work for everybody the same, you know, or maybe God doesn't love me the same, or maybe, you know, God's chosen to do this in your life, but he's not going to do it in mine. You know, all these doubts begin to arise and, and we start to question, well, why doesn't work for me if it seems to work for you? And I believe Jesus answers this question in the previous verse in Matthew 21, 21. So to preface this, um, Jesus and his disciples, um, they walked by this fig tree. Jesus tried to uh, pick fruit off the fig tree because he was hungry. There was no fruit. And so he curses the fig tree, says, you're never going to bear fruit anymore. Um, when the next time that him and his disciples come back by that fig tree, 
uh, you know, the disciples freak out because the fig tree has withered and died completely. And, and they're, you know, they just can't believe it. And so look what Jesus says in Matthew 21, 21. And Jesus answered and said to them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, it will happen. So some of us Christians have a lot of faith. We have faith that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We have faith, you know, that we have a new life in him. We have faith that Jesus is going to return one day uh, for the body of Christ. But at the same time, even though we have faith, you know, in the, in the word of God, we also have a lot of doubts that, that creep up. You know, there's a lot of doubt in our mind too. You know, and, and some people think that, well, if you have faith, then the, you know, that's the opposite of doubt. You can't have doubt. But it, but, but the Bible doesn't say that. The, you know, the Bible says you can have faith and you can doubt at the same time. You know, I mean, the man who Jesus was, uh, was, was casting a demon out of his son, he said, he said, I do believe, help my unbelief. And so the problem that we're facing is doubt. And so if we want to actually be able to apply the truth from verses like Matthew 21, 22, uh, personally in our lives, then we are going to have to kick the doubt out. We're going to have to get rid of the doubt. And so how do we do that? Jesus gives us a very specific answer to this question in John 15, 7. He says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So some people say, well, this can't be true because we can't just ask whatever we wish, right? Or we would ask the wrong things, right? But they're missing what Jesus actually says in the verse. He says, if you abide in me and if my words abide in you. See, when we're abiding in Christ through the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, we cannot possibly ask for what, you know, what is against, goes against God's will. And the reason is because as soon as we start asking for what goes against God's will, we're not abiding in Christ anymore. You know, like we, something's happened there where we're walking in our fleshly nature instead of the nature of the Spirit. So this verse is another one of those really hard verses to believe. But if we want to get to the point where we are overcoming that doubt and seeing God work miracles in our lives, we've got to do two things. The first is abide in Christ. And the second is to have His Word abiding in us. And, and a phrase that I just realized I use a lot, uh, and I've already used several times in this video, is that Jesus gives us the answer to this question or this problem, and He does. Again, Jesus gave us the answer to this question uh, when He sent the Holy Spirit. So let's look at John 16, 7 through 9. It says, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you, and He, when He comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me. So why is it the Holy Spirit's job to convict the world of sin? It is so that in our, in our dirty, messed up state, once we get convicted, we will see our desperate need for salvation. And, and in, in that poorness of spirit, when we accept that conviction, we'll turn to Jesus for that salvation. And you know, and the Holy Spirit does the same thing once we are saved. After we've believed in Jesus Christ, um, as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit, when we mess up and we sin against God, the Holy Spirit convicts us of that, you know, in a loving way. He doesn't bring condemnation and shame, but He does bring conviction into our lives and into our hearts. And so one of the ways that we can uh, choose not to abide in Christ on a regular basis is to reject that conviction of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and I believe a lot of times Christians, you know, you know, the Bible says you, we perish for lack of knowledge. And I believe a lot of times Christians are rejecting that conviction because we don't know how good God's grace is. We, we, we haven't fully grasped it yet, or we're not fully believing it. But when the Holy Spirit convicts us, 
one of the reasons we don't turn to God when we sin, you know, and immediately ask for forgiveness and immediately admit what we've done is because we're so afraid that God's going to yell at us or he's going to punish us or he's going to be mad at us, you know, or we're going to have to work our way back into to, to favor with him. But the truth is that the Holy Spirit wants to take us by the hand and he wants to lead us up that road to the cross and he wants to stand in front of the cross with us and he wants to point up to it and say, look, look, remember, remember what Jesus did for you. And then we can receive the grace of God all over again. This is Troy Black. I pray the Lord is speaking to you through this podcast. We'll get back to the message in a second, but I want to take a minute to tell you about how you can support this ministry. I'm able to create videos, books, podcasts, and other materials because of faithful supporters who value my content and who want to help me share the gospel with as many people as possible. All I ask is that you would pray about becoming a part of the work we're doing. Learn more by going to TroyBlackVideos.com. I hope you're blessed as you continue listening. So that's how the Holy Spirit helps us to abide in Christ, but He also helps the Word of God to abide in us. And, and Jesus shows us how He does that. In John 15, 26, Jesus says, When the Helper comes, whom I send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will testify about me. And you might be thinking, well, isn't it our responsibility to actually read God's Word, you know, and, and study the Bible? And, and all I can say to that is, yes, to an extent, you know, it's up to us to hide God's Word in our heart. But the job of the Holy Spirit is that when we've read the Word, He's going to bring it back to our memory when we need it. You know, and even if it's something we read a long time ago, the Holy Spirit's really good at finding the exact verse that we need when we need it and bringing it right back to our memory. And, and I've seen this work so well um, when, when it comes to witnessing face-to-face -face with someone, when, when you're standing there and someone asks you that question, yes, but, you know, and they say, yes, but I don't believe that God is good because of this, you know, then the Holy Spirit's the one who's, who's with you in that moment and testifying about Christ with you and giving you the verses. If you've never tried witnessing to someone before in person, I really encourage you to do it and see what God does. See how the Holy Spirit shows up to help you because He will. So the Holy Spirit helps us to abide in Christ and also He helps God's Word to abide in us. So I want to tell you the story about a time when I, I prayed for a broken computer that I was using. So, so it's a little bit of a silly story, but I'm going to go ahead and share it. Um, I was working for uh, uh, someone else at the time and, and I was working on this video editing project and, it, and the computer I was working on was not my computer and it was extremely expensive. Uh, more, more money than I would have made in a couple months probably. Um, and, and anyways, and so I'm working on it and then uh, outside, uh, I'm actually working in their house and outside it begins to, to rain and, and there's a storm and thunder and then I see lightning and I'm thinking, you know what, I don't know if there's a surge protector on this thing yet. Uh, I think it was kind of new and I'm thinking, it, it was late in the day and I was thinking maybe I should get off for the day anyways. Anyways, and so I kept putting it off, I kept working on the video project and thinking any minute now I'll get off. And then suddenly, there's a huge flash outside. Uh, I don't know what actually got struck by lightning. Something did. And then, you know, uh, the computer just turns off. The power turns off. And then shortly, the power comes right back on, but the computer doesn't come back on. And so I'm thinking, okay, everything's okay. I, I, you know, I hit the power button. The computer still doesn't come back on. And I'm starting to sweat a little bit because I'm thinking, did my bad choice to continue working in this thunderstorm cause this computer to get ruined right now? 
you know, and, and so I, I literally sat there for good maybe 10 to 15 minutes and I tried to turn the computer on and off about 20 times and, and literally about 20 times and I was unplugging it, unplugging the monitor, plugging it back in, doing anything I could think of doing, anything at all. And finally, you know, I, I've just like worked up a sweat, I'm, I'm really nervous and, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? And the Holy Spirit in that moment brought this verse back to my memory. It's John 14, 14, ask anything in my name and I will do it. And so I just looked at that computer and I thought, I can't make this computer turn back on if it's chosen not to turn back on, but I know God can. And I put my hands on the computer and I said, in the name of Jesus, turn back on. And right then it turned back on and it booted up and it worked fine. And I get it. You might be listening and thinking, this is silly, this is dumb or whatever, praying for a computer to turn back on. But the reason I share this story is because I know that I can't convince you, uh, you know, through a testimony that I'm sharing to believe in what God is going to do. I can't convince you that God still does miracles. The only way that you're going to get to that point is if the Holy Spirit is able to plant that seed of faith in your heart. And, and the way that that happens is that you come to Him with a childlike faith, uh, with, from the perspective of a child saying, God, whatever you want to teach me right now, that's what I want to learn. God, whatever you want to do in my life right now, that's what I want to happen. And, and, and when we have that fertile soil in our heart where, where we're saying, Holy Spirit, you know what, this might seem silly to me right now, but you know, I'm just going to believe it because you're saying that it's true. When we're, the, when we're at that point, that's when God can begin to plant those seeds that are going to mature, mature and we're going to see some real change and some real growth in our walk with Christ. You know, Peter, when he asked Jesus, can I step out of the boat onto the water? You know, if it's you, call me and I'm going to come to you. Some of the other disciples might have looked at him and thought, Peter, how stupid are you? You know, like, why, why, do you, why would God want you to walk on water? There's no reason for you to do that. You know, right? And, and, and yet at the same time, Jesus didn't rebuke Peter. Jesus said, come. And Peter stepped out and he walked on water that day. And the other disciples who uh, may, have, you know, may have thought he was silly in that moment, I don't know what they were thinking, to be honest, but, but they could have. It doesn't matter what they were thinking. They didn't get to walk on water like Peter did. And, the, and they didn't get to experience the power of God at work in their life the way that Peter did that day. James 1, 6-7 says, but he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. And so James sets us up for, you know, if we're looking at God's word to maybe try to test it, if we're in a sense testing God in that way, uh, and, and saying, well, I'm going to try this and see, you know, and then if it doesn't come through, then I can justify believing that miracles have ceased. You know, if we have that mindset, James is saying we've got to, we're double-minded in our thinking. We're, we're, we're uh, entertaining doubts just as much as we're holding on to faith. You know, and he's saying we're not going to receive anything. And yeah, that's going to put us in even probably a worse place than where we started from. But I do want to add a small caveat here. And that is that even though I believe God still does miracles nowadays, our focus should not be on the signs and wonders. I know I've been talking about it a lot in this video, but, but I really want to make this clear. Our focus should be on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's why I say that. It's because, um, you know, if our focus is on signs and wonders, then, then we're always going to be disappointed in the end because things are not always going to go the way we want them to. You know, like God is not going to always do exactly what we want him to do. And, and here's why I say that. It's because sometimes we're acting out of the desires of our flesh instead of the desires of the spirit. And when we're acting out of that carnal state, the desires of our flesh, 
then Jesus is going to respond to us the way that he responded to the Pharisees. They said, show us a sign, you know, so that we could believe. And Jesus knew what, that they were, they, their hearts were not right. He knew where they were coming from. And he said, you're not going to receive a sign. You know, I'm not going to give you a sign just so you can see a sign. But at the same time, the Bible also says that when our hope is in God, when our hope is in Jesus Christ, we're never going to be disappointed. Mark 16:20a says, And they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. The word that they were preaching in this verse, that God confirmed through signs and wonders, is the message of the gospel. When, when we're preaching the message of the gospel out of a response in faith to what God has done for us through Jesus Christ, then God is going to back that up with signs and wonders. And when we are doing the two things I mentioned earlier, when we're abiding in Christ and when His Word is abiding in us, then we're going to have this, this joyful expression you know, of hope when we go out and we talk to people, when, when we, we talk to our friends or our family or uh, you know, when we get online. I mean, that's why I'm here making videos. It's because I want to, other people to receive the truth of the gospel the way that I received it. And I want other people to experience that same freedom and joy and that same life that is in Christ Jesus when we truly know Him and we, when we really have a real relationship with Him. So when we're abiding in Christ and when His Word is abiding in us, that's going to be the natural response. We're going to want to preach the Word. We're going to want to share what Jesus has done for us. And so if you're watching this video right now and maybe you're thinking, you know what, I don't know if I have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, maybe I've said the sinner's prayer at some point, or, or maybe I've, I was raised in church, you know, or I've been going to church for a while, but maybe you're at the point where you're wondering, do I really know Jesus Christ personally? I really encourage you to go watch another video of mine. It's called God Thinks About You. And in that video, I share what it means to have a real relationship with Jesus Christ and how to start that relationship. So go watch that video if you need to. I love y'all and I'll see you next time. You can connect with Troy Black on YouTube or Facebook. For more content from Troy Black or to find out how you can support this ministry, visit TroyBlackVideos.com.